Hi, and welcome to Movie Fail Podcast. Um, I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield. And we're going to be discussing the third episode of Season 4 of Game of Thrones, um, Breaker of Chains. So, uh, I don't know if you want to uh, start off, Josh. I know you had some thoughts about this episode. Yeah, I think we should... Let's start right away with um, <laughs> the, yeah, the scene that's been a major point of contention. It was immediately, like right after it happened, mm-hmm. this this kind of dialogue started. I think that's the scene with Jamie and Cersei and the Sept. Um, I have some major problems with this scene. Um, uh, the same way that I'm sure you did, because there were, I think, two layers of outrage um, when it came to this scene. Uh, my complaint with it was um, mostly that... Um, Jamie's actions seemed out of character. Um, so I think that that was my problem with it. It seemed sort of out of the, out of the blue without a lot of pretense to it. Uh, it's something that makes very little sense given that um, so so Jamie wasn't in the in the uh, capital during the last couple of episodes in the book. Um, so in the the fact that in the show he's there, uh, gives them time to sort of rearrange how his relationship with Cersei is working. And um, none of what he did in the previous couple of episodes indicates that he would ever engage with her in the way he did. Um, so, yeah. So to me, it seemed very out of character. Uh, it became um, more of a problem to me afterwards when I learned the... You know, I actually read the passage from the book, um, and it seemed like a very different sort of scene. So, um, but I'm sure you had you had. Well, more. <laughs> yeah, the, the passage from the book it's not um, it's not completely the opposite of what happens. It's not com- it's not a completely consensual situation. Right. There isn't. She does object. Uh, it says that he doesn't uh, listen because she it's like well wrote up the Septons and their father Tywin is right outside as we see in the show. Right. Um, and but in the book she um consents very eventually very clearly in in her dialogue before they start having sex so while it's not um well jamie's actions are certainly um questionable and he you know he's obviously by our moral standards you know of 2014 moral standards it's obviously obviously what he did in the book was still wrong but what they changed it to in the show, I think, makes it, it's obviously less ambiguous. And you're right, it's, what we've been led to believe about Jamie um, indicates that this isn't something he would ever do. And so I was, I was really disappointed in this, in this move because I've, uh, Jamie's evolution is, uh, evolution as a character is one of the most interesting parts of the book for me. And they've been nailing it in the show mm-hmm. um, up to this point. And uh, w- the defense of this scene that I saw most often was, oh, well, you know, he's a complex character. He's, you know, he's not all good, do we, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's a, pro- there has, there's, a prog- there's a progression that's been going on. There's been a progression, a progressive change with his character, especially over the last season. So it's, you know, to have him do this turn, around, turn back, like he's already done not a 180, but he's already done kind of a flip. And so to have him go back seems really regressive. Um, and it's just, it's disappointing to see that character go back to, you know, square one in a way. 
Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. I, I, I would say that the, you know, you, so you said that's the most common thing I've seen, or you've seen. What I've seen has been a lot worse. It's been mostly uh, uh, commentary on Cersei and her actions and somehow... Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Well, I said, Which is a separate I, thing, but, but, but um, and very concerning in, in more than a few ways. But anyway, yeah. uh, back, back to what you were saying. Uh, I think what the problem with it is that, you know, the, uh, he's not all good or not all bad or whatever um, they're saying. I mean, yes, it's and it's also, uh, you know, the universe is complex and everything, um, but there are no outright evil characters, I don't feel, in this series, except for perhaps Joffrey. Um, yeah, I would say, definitely. I would say even... Um, Ramsey. Uh, yeah. yeah, even Ramsey get some sort of pleasure out of it. I don't it didn't seem like Joffrey did. He seemed to just do it because I don't know. That was weird. But but even Ramsay, like, I don't know that he believes he's evil. I think he just enjoys like what he enjoys in life is torturing and like seriously harming people. So Yeah, and there's um, also an element of uh what Roos has taught him. Um so yeah, I don't think Ramsay has any Right, you know, issues with in personal. Obviously, we know that what he's doing is horrible, but right, 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 right. And from an outside perspective, a lot of these things look like terrible things. But you know, you know what the Lannisters do and everything. But in this case, to say that it's just because, well, this is his bad side, um, it, it doesn't really come across that way. Uh, in the book, the way the passage reads, it's almost like it's out of desperate um, love or passion, uh, executed, of course, in a Again, by modern standards, a very poor manner. But it's in this in this passage. It's in, in the way um, the way it comes across in the in the scene. It seems like a a, a moment of domination and um, yeah. uh, strong arming and uh, you know conquests, which is a completely different theme than what you're getting in the book. And again, I didn't read the books, but I did read this passage. And just from my perspective, it does seem to be uh, that they've changed the the purpose of the scene, and, and that that doesn't make sense with Jamie. That's the problem, the conquest domination thing. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I know he's lost some of his power because he doesn't have his you know hand and everything, but it just doesn't really work for me, as opposed to him being upset that she's not interested in him anymore. That I would understand, and that would have made a more for a more compelling scene, but the way it was portrayed, just it didn't, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's much... Um, less compelling to have, you know, th- this act in the show comes out of this place of, you, you, uh, like you said, dominance and um, wanting to assert his own power. Right, exactly. Because, yeah. because he does, you know, because he of this, he's lost his hand, he feels weaker. But I think it's so much more compelling to have, you know, it as it was in the books, um, it, it's because he's weak. It's, you know, he has this weakness... Uh, in his passion for this woman, um, and, and it's always been his weakness for his whole. I mean, it seems to be that. Yeah, that's... and it seems in the show they play it like he's very angry. He's angry at you know whatever the gods. He says that why did the gods make me love such a hateful woman? Mm-hmm. And he takes out that anger on her. Whereas I think, whereas in the books, it's much more. You know, he, he's not upset. You know, he he doesn't. He's not wrestling with his feelings in a violent way and i and i think it's just the the more you tip the scales to one side or the other the less interesting a character becomes exactly and i think you know uh rape is something that in a story it's unambiguously evil 
you cannot ju- there's no justification for it you know you can and we get a, a lot of a, in the rest of the episode there's a lot of stuff like this where you have like uh, uh the hound will uh, kill the villain or stole from the villager right and he says well he's just gonna die anyway he's not he doesn't need it so there's a just he, that's an evil act and he justifies it there is no and the audience can choose to justify it alongside him if they want to there's no way to justify what jamie does and there's no you know th- it doesn't seem no... like there's an explanation no exactly and that's that's yeah, just no it. it's evil evil without an explanation is boring it's always been boring it's what makes yeah. cartoon villains cartoon you know uh and so and what, what makes villains interesting is with they think what they're doing is right like exactly said, the best villains think they are the heroes right but this is such you know, and even i would say even joffrey thought he was a good king well, yeah, exactly. Joffrey thought he was the be- he was the best, right? Um, so it, you know, Tywin thinks that he's doing everything for the greater good. Um, obviously, you know, Egret and the Wildlings think that. Stannis thinks that. It's it's they are all they all have motivations that come from not just a desire to be bad, yeah, be bad. You know, there's an under they may not from another perspective it is bad because they're hurting someone else. They and have their own logic. There's an internal logic to whatever they're doing. Exactly. But this is something that it just, and it, even if thematically it fits in with what we saw in the rest of the episode, um, I don't think it... I don't it, think it did, to be honest. I thought I the rest of the... I think it, it was, there was an attempt to make it fit in. Well, maybe, but, but it's the it only part that stuck out to me, so therefore I didn't feel like it fit. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think... The episode, in a lot of ways, was about having these characters who we like and showing them doing evil things. But the problem is when you have Egret shooting the villager with an arrow, or you have the hound uh, robbing the villager. There's an explanation, yeah. We know that about those characters. We know that they do that. You know? And those acts, you know, depending... Their personalities um, are a separate entity from that, and... What we understand about them as people is connected to that, but we can also, you know, have an appreciation for them separate from that. And that's what I liked about Jamie was, um, I don't know if it's making any sense. What I liked about Jamie's character last season was that we learned a lot more about him as a person, and he learned a lot more about himself as a person. He became more human. Exactly. Well, he started to gain a conscience. And it's, you know, it's so strange to have this moment of, um, well, all that, that ha- everything that happened last season is gone, apparently. Because it's not like this was something that was, you know, it's not like with Egret, which is, that's just inherent to who she is, you know? is uh, That's what they do. That's what wildlings do. And they think that they're doing something right. But we were led to believe that this is something that Jamie had grown past, or at least was starting to grow past. I mean, if you look at... The reason he lost his hand in the first place is because he was trying to prevent Brienne from being raped by the brave companions. Yes. That's the whole Which makes this really happened. ironic. Yes, it doesn't make it, any sense. So it, you know, it's and especially in in the books too, this is something that Jamie is very cognizant of and that he try on multiple occasions. He tries to stop or avert. Multiple occasions. So if they wanted to do something that made Jamie seem like a bad guy or remind us that he wasn't a good guy, that's fine. But this is something specifically that goes against his character. And not only that, by the way, I want, we should talk about this. I think it's, it's unforgivable that they reduce Cersei 
to a tool to, you know, in Jamie's characterization. Yes, because empower, I think that's empower just... him or in some way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it would have. I mean, you know, I, the thing is, the problem for me is that you know, it's 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 the problem with this scene is that it's even hard to address because it, there's so little explanation. And it, people commented that it was very long and drawn out. I actually didn't feel like that. I thought it was very no, it's quick. quick. It's pretty quick, and and but that's not that I wanted to see it any longer. But just there's because it's so quick. There is so little explanation. There is so. Little and I don't know if maybe an extended cut would have had more dialogue that was cut from the scene. I don't know, but but I think what's important is that um, if we had at least gotten something like maybe he's you know he makes some comment about how he's powerless and then that's his way of sort of regaining the because you know, of his hand or whatever. It wouldn't explain it, but at least I could address that. We could address that as like, well, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible explanation for why he does what he does and it doesn't fit with the character. But here we don't even have that. There's just no explanation for why he would do this. Like, there's just nothing. There's not even a bad explanation. There just isn't one, which is almost worse. I mean, it's complete. It's it seems like, senseless. It seems senseless. Yeah, exactly. Well, like we've been saying, it's completely out of character. And there have been, you know, the counter argument um, that I mentioned earlier is, well, this is just, you know, he wasn't a good guy, you know, because we know and, you know, it, the show opens with him pushing a kid out of a window. Sure. He's not a good guy, but. But it's a starting point and well, yeah, he's exactly. had an arc. I don't characters, know how else to explain it. <laughs> characters are more interesting when they change. They're not more interesting when they stay the same. That's like writing 101. <laughs> That's, it's so basic. Exactly. And, Jamie's had a very clear arc up to this point. Well, you know, so I think I think sense. some characters cannot change. I mean, Joffrey well, no, never changes. Right, um, yeah. But 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 people have to change around them. Then, if that's good. you know what I mean, like you either exactly. do one or the other. But you don't like you know I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Arya hasn't changed really. You know, she's still the same. Well, person I think she even she's, she's gotten, but she's become more. She's, yeah, there is an indication in the first episode that maybe there's. Something she's gained more courage, and she's more willing to stand up to the hound. And she's more willing to stand up to. Or people. like you know, maybe a better example. John hasn't really changed that much. Sure. In terms of his basic personality, but he's still based on the things he does and the reasons he has for doing them. He's still a compelling character. I think. I know some people might think he's boring, but I, I like John. Um, but yeah, so I, I just think that. If this is a bad move on the writer's part in terms of Jamie's characterization, and it's a really bad move to have it happen uh, with Cersei, you know? Like, I agree. If, if anything. I agree. And, and you know, um, I think the one other thing I wanted to address is a lot of people have said um, one of the most common things I've seen, aside from the justification, which is just mind-blowing, um, is the... Uh, the Jamie apologizes, let's call them. Um, but is the is the the people who say, um, you know, this ha- this is a show that has castration and torture and murder and prostitution and all these other things. Oh, yeah. So how how is this any worse? You know, it's all it's very it's very hypocritical. Uh, and I and I would only address that when a very very simply and say, you know, it has its own internal moral logic to the show, and and everything that's happened happens within a certain a certain context. Um, well, yeah, the thing, like, no one's, I don't think anyone's arguing, I don't think there's any argument, I hope there's not, over whether or not this act is ethical, because I think you'd have to oh, be seriously you, deranged to think that it was. You'd be surprised, there is, but let's, Jesus, anyway. I don't even want to. Yeah, you don't want to know. It's not worth <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, like, I, so when people say it's like, oh, yeah, people will get upset, um, you know, there's all been all this disturbing stuff, and now you're getting upset, and this argument I've seen where it's like, 
Oh, you, I saw an, I literally saw an article that was trying to explain to people that they were supposed to be disturbed. And I was like, that's no one's argument. No one is saying, no one is complaining that they were disturbed by this thing on Game of Thrones. They're arguing that this was out of place and severely mishandled. And we should mention, by the way, the comments by the director of the episode. Right, 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 um, yes. Because uh, the actor who plays Jamie has commented, uh, George R. R. Martin has commented, but the director's comments I think are really important because he thinks he filmed the book scene, apparently, based on what he said. Right. Which is bizarre to me. So do you, so you want to, do you have the quote? Um, I'll, I'll pull it up. Why don't you talk? Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, I would... I think that it's interesting to read the um, the different quotes from the different people who were involved, from George R. R. Martin to um, the director to Nikolai Kosterwaldo, uh, who plays Jamie, um, because they all uh, seem to have even you know you said um, you said the director had that perspective, but I think Nikolai Kosterwaldo had that as well. He he said that they really tried to make it a subtle and and um, in the in the extended quote, uh, which I believe is on IGN, he uh, he says they tried to make it subtle and more like the book. Um, I don't know if he said it well, like yeah. the book, but he, he he is at least aware that there is ambiguity. Like he says, he says yes and no. When he's asked about whether or not it's rape, he says well, yes and no because blah blah blah, which is you know a good description of the book, which makes me kind of wonder if maybe the scene was lost in the editing. That's what I was thinking. That's what yeah. I've been thinking is yeah, maybe yeah. they're because it, because of it, it cuts, you know, so fairly early. quickly. Yes. Yeah. So you, maybe they, where they filmed it, it went on longer and that intent became clear as it stands in the episode. It is not. And what uh, Alex Graves is the director. What he says is what was talked about was that it was not consensual as it began, but ultimately it was meant to be consensual. The consensual part of it was that she wraps his legs around him and she's holding onto the table, clearly not to escape, but to get some grounding in what's going on. And also the other thing that I think is clear before they hit the ground is she starts to make out with him. The big things to us that were so important and hopefully were not missed is that before he rips her undergarment, she's way back into kissing him. She's kissing him aplenty. And I, like, I, I don't understand how anyone could think that that's what has is happening in this scene. I don't understand how that, and that to me comes out of somebody who, um, you know, and I, I, I hesitate just because it's, it's like a whole other bag of worms, but to get into like the social aspect of all this, but, but the, you know, I'll just briefly mention that the way, uh, as modern, modern, and I'm talking the past couple of years where it's really starting to started to get some voice, uh, perspective on consent is that it should be vocal and not just vocal, but enthusiastically vocal. Um, so, uh, somebody who's, you know, you, body language is not a, is not enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I understand. I'm not trying to apply modern, you know, real world modern logic to a, a, a fantasy television series. And I'm sure that's a criticism that a lot of people have said. But, um, but if you wanted to make it clear, because we are a modern audience, at some, you know, on some lo- some level, the dialogue, the way the show's paced, everything is in response to how modern audiences watch things and the social. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cultural um, background that we all share. And so we're all watching it with this modern eye, whether or not people like that. Uh, And so the dialogue's written that way. They swear. They do all these things that we recognize as a modern audience. And so um, it's required for us to understand, you know, maybe if you played that scene in 1930, they'd go, yes, that was a consensual scene. But um, it, it it doesn't work now because you know you're showing this to an audience of 2014 people and the we know what 
consent looks like. And if you want to explain, if you want to communicate that, you have to do it the way we understand it. Otherwise, it's going to come across poorly, as it did. Yeah. And by the way, uh, the show's creators and showrunners, David Benioff, D.B. Weiss, the way they addressed it um, in this kind of uh, behind-the-scenes clip that HBO put out, puts out for each episode, the way they spoke about it made it think that they were, they're not on the same page as the director. They very clearly indicated that this was meant to be uh, an assault and not a consensual uh, act. So there's something going on behind the scenes. There's some miscommunication between the showrunners and the director or between the director and the editor is really what I think. Um, so, you know, there's, there's something going on. Well, I think something that was missed. I think there's part of that. The other thing is I think, um, it also could just be now that it's come out and people have reacted this way and they weren't anticipating it. They're on different pages cause they're all trying to cover themselves. Um, in different ways. Some of them are sticking by their guns, like the, to the show creators and saying, no, this is what it is. And for some unknown reason. And the other thing that I think is important to note is in the extended quote from Nikolai Costa-Waldo, he says specifically in um, his quote that uh, there's people aren't seeing, like there's no follow-up. There's no follow-up scene. So we don't have any evidence of Mm, what happens subsequently. And so I I think that's a a valid argument and that we will see maybe how it's going to be handled and maybe it's going to affect the relationship differently than the book and maybe there's a lot of things that are just different from the book, and they're going a different way with it. Uh, there's still plenty of criticism to be had, and also a show, sh- an episode should be able to stand on its own, but I also think it'll be interesting to see, subsequently, how this is handled, how it affects their relationship, how it affects Jamie's development, how it affects Cersei's development as we move well, forward. Yeah, well, you're right, and I think maybe... Well, it's going to be telling, because these episodes have all been produced already. They're done. Exactly. They can't, the show cannot react to... Not in real time, no. This re- to the way that, it, yeah, exactly. Although I bet sure. you, I bet you, like the the George Bush had from the first season, there's there will be a new cut of this episode. I, I, <laughs> oh, I would strongly, be at all. I strongly believe that. Yeah, I mean, if they can, if, if something is innocuous as that, they changed, then I would be shocked if um, they didn't make an attempt to fix some it. kind of change. Yeah, because it, if if unless there's a story reason for it, in which case they well, might not, because maybe they the, believe yeah. that you know this is the way it was supposed to be done, uh, as the, the showrunner seems to think. The director apparently thinks that it's not. The director doesn't see. Well, it like I said, he might be saying that now. I don't know well, that that was always. But his the thing is, perspective. Um, I I could be wrong, but this is that there were three episodes sent out to critics before the season started. Oh, so this is so an I old think quote. This interview was done beforehand, oh, before the episode aired. Okay. Um, it must have been, because that's a really quick turnaround for an interview. So I think the critics saw this episode and then did the interview with him knowing that this was going to be a thing. Um, so he... I, I, I assume that, that he did not uh, know what... Uh, that he, was, he wouldn't have been aware of what the backlash was when he said that. So it seems to me that this was genuine. It seems to me that the showrunners who uh, that inside, that behind-the-scenes video obviously would have been produced before the episode aired. That's, it must have been genuine on their behalf. Mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin, seems he's the only one that seems to be... Baffled. ...directly reacting to it, because his was on his blog in response to a comment, like, you know, to yesterday, uh, or Monday. It's yesterday when we were recording this. And he says, basically, look, you know, it's different in the show because of the timeline thing. Uh, I never discussed that scene with them. They're kind of doing their own thing. I really don't know what the purpose is. 
or, or why it is the way it is, because it's the show is different from my books at this point. Right. And well, I mean, they, yeah, it's fair. That's a fair. He reason. makes two important points. He says that it was the the scene was written from Jamie's perspective in the book, yes. so maybe it could be slanted in his point of view, and maybe it was actually a, an assault that wasn't. Uh, clear because you had the perspective of the assaulter and so the assailant and so that's why you didn't have that um which is i think uh uh, possible i guess um but he didn't but if you want to figure out what really happened there from like a fly on the wall perspective i would assume you would want to ask martin which they didn't um which is one of the the problems and then the other thing is um i just wanted to uh because i um i keep referring to custer waldo's uh quote i just wanted to quickly read it um so uh, he says, uh, let me just find the relevant part here. Um, so he says, uh, everything here is extreme. That scene is extreme. The emotions, everything is just messed up. And then he just wants to reconnect and becomes uh, that weird thing. If you look closer, there are moments where she, well, I haven't seen the finished edit, of course, which indicates, of course, that this was before the, yeah. um, the episode had aired. But we tried to have it where she goes into it and then pulls away. She goes in, then she pulls. Uh, she goes in, then she pulls away. But of course, he is forcing himself. So it is. So he, again, he felt that it was sort of a more of an ambiguous thing. Um, he seems to be aware of what Jamie's doing, at least, though. And you have to be as an actor. So right. he, maybe that's part of it. Is that he seems maybe in his performance um, was aware that Jamie. He says Jamie's forcing himself on her. So clearly, yeah, when he was performing that scene, that's what he was going for. And you know, the ambiguity of what's how Cersei is reacting. Um, is maybe where the disconnect comes with for the director at least right i mean i i uh my feeling is by the way you said the scene that you said you were talking about it being disturbing earlier um there was actually a a, a quote from george r. r martin where he says that's all i can at the last part of his quote he says that's really all i can say on this issue the scene was always intended to be disturbing but i do regret if it has disturbed people for the wrong reasons which is a little funny to apologize for a scene that was well, I mean, yeah, it's disturbing because they're right next to the corpse of their son. Yes, exactly. Um, and not because of this other element, which has sort of manifested itself in the show. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, my question is, is really why uh, did this scene happen? I mean, that's the other thing is fundamentally, let's say it had gone off exactly as it happened in the book. I would be still quite confused as to what its relevance is to the plot. Um, other than, okay, so Cersei and Jamie are bad Well, I will together. say that... Um, I don't know, you know? It, well, yeah, I will say in the, uh, in the books, their relationship, uh, the development of their relationship going forward, this is an important moment. But when you change it so much, I have to imagine that it's, it's hard to imagine where they could be going with it. Right, and it'll be interesting to see in the in the next episode where um, uh, to see how it pla- uh, plays out. Uh, because... And yeah, in the preview for the next episode, uh, Cersei does not appear to be reacting because she's talking to him, and she doesn't seem to be like she it just, as in the books. She doesn't treat him as though she's been assaulted. The show doesn't. She doesn't in the show seem to be reacting as though that's what happened. Right, and I guess we'll have on. to we'll have to look at it when that comes out. Though, of course, even if she's reacting totally normally, then it just looks like the sexual assault happens and then very unrealistically yeah, she's perfectly it's... okay with everything that happened which also seems weird um i think it's ultimately the only way to really fix this is to recut that scene and uh, i don't know how they're gonna handle it it's a little late yeah um but anyway so do you want to talk about a little bit about the uh, rest of the episode <laughs> yeah i mean well here's the problem i think the rest of the episode is really phenomenal i did too, <laughs> I like, did too. <laughs> except for that 
two minutes. Yes, it's this really is quite one of short. my favorite episodes that the show's ever done. Wow. Um, really, which is maybe part of why this uh, scene, or at least a reason why my reaction to that scene was so extreme, because it's like, oh, if you would just, if you hadn't, if you hadn't had this awful moment, like this episode would be maybe my favorite episode of the show, because there's it, it, so much fantastic stuff. Right. Um, first off, we get um, at least half a reveal of who was behind the murder at the wedding. Uh, and that's it's Littlefinger, so we know that he Littlefinger hasn't been around since last season, like maybe not even like halfway through last season. Oh right, yes, yes. So he's he hasn't been, been a presence. He's been absent. So that was definitely played as a big reveal. It's like, oh, it was him all along because he's disappeared, pretty much. Um, so he is spiriting Sansa away to. He says home. Uh, he doesn't say where. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So yeah, it's not clear if they're think? heading toward. I mean, the one thing that could be interesting is I wasn't he given the Eerie or who was, what was he given as a as a sort of his lordship. It might have been. Oh God, I don't remember. It might have been. The, it might have been the fingers or the veil. He grew up. It might have been the veil. Well, I think. Well, uh, Lysa's still Lord of the Veil. Lysa's still Lord of the Veil. Okay, so I'm trying to. Well, yes, but. Wasn't okay, so I, I guess I'm sort of confused on the politics there, but um, I just think it might be interesting if they end up converging at some point with um, Arya, who's sort of going up yeah, north. Well, um, and well, if it's the same place, yeah. If it's the same place, um, if it's not, but you know, they might cross paths. It's not really clear, but that would be probably a good moment for Sansa to realize that she's not the last Stark. In fact, she's far from the last Stark. She just doesn't know. <laughs> there, yeah, there are a bunch of other Starks out there. Yeah. Um, um, but, there are a ton of other Starks, actually. Yes, and also and Snow, etc., yeah, exactly. etc. But um, but yeah, so they are all out there. Um, so yeah, and that was kind of an interesting moment too. And also, I, I liked the way it was shot, uh, the with the fog and probably concealing a, a set. But I thought yeah. it was cool. Well, yeah. um, it that, does look great. Yeah, it looked great. It looked like something out of Pirates of the Caribbean or something, um, which also used a lot of so uh, sets for boats instead of actual boats. Uh, unlike, say, Master and Commander. But, um, so, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed that scene. I thought it was good. Um, it was kind of sad uh, seeing um, his, uh, her champion die, um, uh, Sir Dantos, uh, which was, you know, unfortunate, but it, it, uh, it panned out. Um, for her, anyway, she seems to be okay, although I did get a hugely creepy vibe from Littlefinger. Uh, when don't you, though? <laughs> yeah, that's true, although now, you know, it's always, it's always implied you know, he was always sort of creepy, but like this, you know, now that they're actually, like, there's no one around. It's just him. He's in charge. Well, yeah, the atmosphere of the scene, especially it was with very the creepy. fog and it's yeah. dark, it's very ominous. It's very ominous. Uh, and actually, so I had, I had, I hadn't, I didn't know what was going to happen in this episode. I didn't know what the controversy was about, but I knew I had sort of an inkling that it was about something. Uh, to, and I was terrified that it was related to them. So I was really relieved when it went elsewhere afterwards. Uh, I'm still worried about it, but um, I'm interested to see uh, sort of where that, that takes the story. So the scene right before uh, Jamie and Cersei was actually even more disappointing. It's my favorite scene in the episode. Uh, Tywin speaking to Tommen and kind of... It's really genuine in their dialogue where Ty, uh, Tywin says to him, it's like, so you know what happens now, right? And he's... Very, like, weirdly grandfatherly, yes. which Tywin has never been before. Absolutely. Trying to, um, ex- you know, expl- explain to Tommen the how to be a good ruler, which is 
the way he treats Tommen and the way, not just the way Tommen acts, but the way that he speaks to him is definitely indicative of uh, Tommen's personality. We don't know anything about Tommen. I know. know. That was, to me, really funny when he just shows up, Um, even though he's been there, technically. Yeah, and he's a different actor because now he's older. Um, Right. But the fact that Tywin is genuinely trying to teach him something is it, with the expectation that he will learn something mm-hmm. that's something he would, could never do with Joffrey obviously right. so you, you get the impression you that never Thomas, get that interaction with Joffrey and, and Tywin yeah because would, yeah, Tywin wouldn't waste his time why wouldn't you know? he yeah. so you get the impression that Tommen is a genuinely <laughs> he's a genuinely sweet kid um, you know not super intelligent but not dumb just kind of you know a normal guy yeah, he's he's which is bizarre. Like having Joffrey for a brother must be horrifying. Yes, um, and we got that even with um, we didn't see a lot of uh, uh, Marcella before she got shipped off, but she seemed you know she didn't certainly didn't seem as psychopathic as Joffrey. Exactly. So Tom Tommen as a as the king um, should be kind of interesting because now they finally have someone in power who they can control. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting that you called it grandfatherly because I got that, but I also, knowing Tywin, I felt like it was also rather manipulative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's always that element to it. He can never, I don't feel he can ever truly be, you know, not moving pawn pieces around in his head. But, um, but yes, no, I agree. It was a good scene. Uh, and I, I think Tywin, actually, this episode, it was, it was really his episode in a lot of ways uh, because mm. uh, he had that scene with Oberyn shortly thereafter um, discussing which I thought was just an incredible scene, a really well done scene. Um, it was another example of, uh, I know earlier in the, in the first episode when they introduced over and I had commented on how sex was being used for a purpose and it wasn't just dressing, uh, in this case, um, when it comes to these characters, I actually thought it was completely irrelevant. Um, I, you know, the camera starts behind a naked woman's body and then just, you know, tracks up and, um, uh, and I, to me, that was not, uh, really all that relevant to the scene, but, um, you know, it could have started way later, uh, knowing his sex, you know, knowing, uh, Oberyn's sexuality wasn't all that relevant to what was going on, but we pretty much knew already. Too. Well, yeah. It was very clear. So like, it's like, they're really hammering home this point. I guess they're like, look, it's equal opportunity. There's naked men too, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't really get that. However, when Tywin comes in and Oberyn and Tywin get to actually meet and talk, I thought the political commentary, uh, going back and forth, not commentary, but machinations of, you know, trying to, um, uh, further their own goals was really cool seeing them going back and forth because they're both very intelligent people. Uh, and so, and they're both, you know, formidable opponents in different ways. And I think that it was cool to see, uh, them negotiating for, uh, justice, um, Tywin looking to put Tyrion away or kill him. Uh, and then of course, Oberyn looking for a, um, a way to get justice for his sister. So I actually, I like that uh, scene quite a bit. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> Tywin, ever the, ever the, uh, pragmatist yes. is basically offering his son up as a sacrifice to appease Oberyn. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I, it's another example. And when we see, especially when we see blanked out for a little bit, I don't know what was, I know it was about, that's weird. Um, but yes, things are not going to go well for Tyrion, um, and they're not going well for Tyrion right now, uh, which is, you know, Tyrion's never been in a particularly powerful position, even when he was Hand of the King, um, he was kind of... But he got some stuff done, at least. Yeah, but he, he was never, he was always kind of in danger of 
because people just don't like him. Exactly. <laughs> and so this is kind of him at his lowest, and he is like, he, because once again, people don't like him. They can they have this opportunity to very easily be rid of him, and it's nice to have you know, uh, Podrick, which was that was a fantastic. That movie. was awesome. That was really I love cool. that. Um, Podrick is very loyal to him, and Tyrion says, "You need to get out of here." Mm-hmm. Both of them being very honorable and very loyal to each other, which is interesting because like, like two peas in yeah. a pod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeez, I'm oh, sorry, God. I had to. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny in the books. It's this, there's this pretty much the same scene, and Tyrion asks Podrick, uh, "Do you think I did it?" And Podrick like hesitates mm-hmm. before he answers. Um, that doesn't happen in the show, but it's like, you know, you don't need it to, because it's you know, Podrick doesn't know obviously, but uh, he, because he is cares about Tyrion, because Tyrion has been good to him, and um, he's been good to Tyrion. And, and to me, he's, you know, yeah, he's puts his, he's trusts him. To me, I really like the scene because it validated some of the scenes in, in, in season two that I actually didn't like. Um, I, I was really confused as to why they were building this Podrick character. I didn't, I didn't see his value. The jokes about his sexual prowess were that was bizarre. The, yeah, not in the books either. That was just, just strange. Just really, it was like, where did that come from? What does that have to do with anything? And like, I, it was supposed to be humorous, but I was just like, I. It wasn't. It wasn't. That, it wasn't offensive. It was just bizarre. So I was like, so seeing it now, I'm finally like, oh, okay. So now we have this whole, you know, reason for his existence, which that's nice. And then I also liked, um, and also you know, because then you can get Bronn away, you can get uh, all these characters who were Tyrion sort of support away, and then Podrick's really the only one left. Uh, and and it, so he opens some doors in that respect. So I I like that. Uh, and he you know he seems like a nice guy. And and the other thing I liked about this scene with Tyrion is. Uh, it, it flashed, you know, it's sort of a flashback to the first season where Tyrion's thrown in jail at the, at the Eyrie. Um, so, you know, it's not the first time he's been in jail and his his death has been in, uh, in jeopardy, or his life has been in jeopardy. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that how that pans out. I, I don't think he's going to die. He's a very important uh, and fan favorite sort of character, but, you know, it's yeah, Game you, of Thrones. You, so. Yeah, definitely you get the impression that, you know, even if you don't, even if you can safely make the assumption that they're not going to kill the most popular character on the show, you, he's not going to, you know, by the end of the season, be sitting on the small council again like nothing happened. Exactly. There's, no, something some is going to go. major consequences coming. Exactly. Sure. And, and you know, if it means that he escapes and gets to, you know, trek around the um, around Westeros uh, again, then, you know, whatever. That's cool, too. Um, basically, as long as it's more of Tyrion, then it's a good thing. Um, but but it, here was a, by the way there was a good scene where you had two actors who were both very quality actors uh, and, and Tyrion being one of them um, Peter Dinklage and I, I really thought that their their back and forth was just like I I felt more for Podrick and Tyrion's relationship than I ever did for Tyrion and Shay I just want to throw that out there um, <laughs> I was just really moved by it I was like there's you I know, was moved too it's a, it's a, it's a very scene. you know powerful scene for sure um, with far less you know backstory to their relationship but you know I don't know for me it just worked. Um, and then they, I guess the few other, uh, odds and ends are, are mostly about Sam, um, trying to, uh, shelter his, the woman he brought back. I, you know, that part was unclear to me. I guess he brought her back to the wall. Well, yeah, I mean, this is unfathomable. This is kind of, yeah. This is the answer to that question is, you know, cause what else is he going to do? But bring her back to the wall. Well, now this is him trying to do something, but he, you know, it's obviously, Sam is trying to do what he thinks is the right thing, 
but Gilly, uh, you know, he kind of resents being sheltered in that way. Yeah. Um, and you, who, you know, who can blame her? You know, it's like, it's like she's gone back to, you know, where she was before, where she was very, yeah, sheltered. exactly. Um, it's funny. We get that, but the rest of a lot of the rest of the episode is dominated by not just setup, which we got in the first two episodes, but build or, and, um, you know, kind of not cliffhangers, but definite, like, it's leaving you at a Ups, moment. Upswings, yeah, for sure. Exactly. So we get this moment where John, this fantastic moment where John remembers that he told Mance Raider that there were a thousand men at Castle Black. Yes. And there's only a hundred. And he says, well, you know, Mance Raider just could take the wall right now. He just doesn't know it yet. That's a great moment. It in was. The introduction of that tension. It was a great moment. And, and I also, again, another felt, feels like a callback to the first season where they first decide to venture out beyond the wall. Um, and like that was one of the big climaxes of the first of the of the first season, I believe, uh, where they finally decide they're going to go and they're going to try and deal with whatever's out there. Um, and so I, I thought it was cool because it's like okay, they're about to go out, and then and then you have the same thing with Daenerys where they're about to go into Marine, and and that was another really great moment uh, where they're about to like address this or there's about to be a big conflict um, in uh, in this new city. So yeah, no, this episode had a lot of those sort of moments, and again, not to uh, you know, bring it back to that the scene with with Jamie and Cersei, but that was another upswing moment where you're like, okay, so there's going to be a consequence to this, and we don't get the consequence. There's no like resolution to what's going on. Um, there's yeah. no resolution to Tommen and uh, Tywin talking. There's no resolution to Tyrion's situation. It's all like, look, it's something's about to happen. It's really exciting. Yeah, and, every single one leaves you hanging. Even the very the end of the episode shows us the beginning of a battle. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's exactly it. And that was sort of all of these moments were like that. Um, and so I, I actually really like that, again, just to bring it back to the idea that the episode, even even the, the, the scene that, you know, the controversial scene, even that was in that same vein. And I think that, that all of those together, all those upswings are really important and, and are absolutely an antidote to what I was talking about before, where there is no slow burn. They're really trying to keep you on the edge of your seat. And that's what I like, so I'm really into it. I just wish that one problematic scene hadn't been done quite that yeah. way. <laughs> um, and it's definitely, yeah, and especially, like, it's funny, the last ten minutes, are, it feels like it's a completely different show. Like, it turns into Indiana Jones yes, for a little bit. a little bit. With, little with bit. Dario kind of uh, challenging the champion of Marine, and they just throws the knife at the horse. It's totally Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's very Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's also a scene in 300 um, when... Uh, there's a guy who shoots um, the rhinoceros or whatever that's charging uh, at yeah. them. Uh, yeah. And and in um, uh, Lord of the Rings, just that too. With oh the, yes, uh, yes, exactly. So this this scene has been done before, but you know it's it's still charming. Uh, yeah, the way the way he handles it. Oh yeah, exactly. And the way he handles it is uh, is awesome. Um, sort of a he he also uh, uh, pisses on the ground just like the the champion does. So I think that this was a a good moment of. Um, sort of fleshing out the new Dario character. And uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see... And I also liked... The other thing I liked is... Um, it perhaps got a little silly, but the uh, the going through each one of the champions, trying to figure out who was going to be the one to fight this guy from Marine. Yeah, um, Ben read like a, a children's book, the way she was going. I can't send you because you're this and this, and I can't send you because... Exactly. Exactly. It was a little silly, but I actually, you know, I enjoyed it. This is the kind of... What it was yeah. was like almost a um, an outward uh, sort of an expository moment um, 
explaining or putting into words what fans are thinking. They're like, well, no, you can't choose that guy because of this. And they, you know, and so it was very, uh, I, I liked it for that. Um, it was sort of a, an embracing of like the fans' thoughts on who's the best and who's this and who's that. So I liked, I enjoyed that scene a lot. The only thing that I th- found funny about that is I, I could just see the production company um, or HBO, whoever it was, who was in charge of finance, saying, you know what, we don't need dragons in this scene because they're not going to be that relevant until the actual fight, so we're not going to render them, so there's not going to be dragons. Um, we hear them briefly, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so they're there, sure, I believe that. But uh, there's, like, no dragons at all. Um, which... Yeah, that, that must be terrifying to the rulers of Marie and that she can, you know... She has now defeated their champion. She didn't even need the dragons. No, no, right. So that's certainly a, a valid point. Uh, it's just funny because I think, and it, you know, in some ways, I think it actually hurts the scene just slightly because uh, one of the imposing things about her, or one of her like trademarks, or like who she is as the mother of dragons, right? So um, not having the slaves in the city see her dragons to say yes these are real things that really exist and she really is in control of them as far as we know um that was an interesting choice to omit uh the dragons from that from that moment but i i believe they're there i think they just they, the camera wasn't looking at them or whatever they want to spin it yeah. as by the way i just um when they get there <laughs> this is something that jor has been doing since the beginning of time mm-hmm. but when Daenerys says who's that and Jorah goes oh it's the champion of Marine. it's this and that that was the I finally broke with that character I was like how do you know literally everything (laughs) every time every time Daenerys needs to know some minute detail of some city on this continent he knows it they're like oh well that's that I mean to be to be fair to be fair I think he said a champion so maybe he just recognized you know like the traditions of Marine and he has been on this continent for a while but no there's been a trend what I had more of a problem with was uh, how Daenerys the doors the gates open barely and one person comes out and she goes are they attacking no they're not attacking it's one guy on a horse why would really Clearly, it's a message or, a, or some sort of symbolic thing. It's no, they're not attacking. Why would you ask that? Um, so he's like, no, that's the you know that's a champion of Marine. It's like yeah, she has to ask that so that Jorah can explain it to the audience. So the audience can know it, and it, it's a little weird because it seems a little out of character. I mean, I know she. It's not out of character in that she would know it, but it just like her willful. It, but you know, in some ways, maybe it works. You know, she's thirst. You know, she's thirsty for knowledge. She wants to know things. You know, and we want to know things, so we don't. We forgive it. <laughs> yeah. And part of her powers is, uh, I think they got into this in season three, uh, is making her enemies underestimate her mm-hmm. because of, well, it's, it's an interesting way that uh, she, both she and the show play with the world's perception of women and femininity. She uses that to her advantage specifically Constantly. to make yeah. people underestimate her power so that she can just completely wipe them out. She does that with uh, and maybe the that was, Rasmus and the slave owner. Maybe that was the reason there were no dragons, so that she could lure them into this, you know, mm. thing she knew she could win with Dario. Um, so maybe that was it. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but I, what it was interesting is seeing Dario handle the champion and then thinking about how each of the other champions would have handled it, which would have been, I would imagine, quite different. Um, but it was a good... That was good. Uh, and then uh, we ended with the with the broken... Uh, chains. Um, so I guess the uh, the title of the episode finally we knew yeah. it was coming. I mean, come on, you don't name it an episode "Breaker of Chains" without having broken chains. Yeah, it is a kind of a weird place to end the episode, though. You know what I mean? 
it is like, you know it, there's really it's like you said there's really no conclusion but we had all this build up you really want there to just be like some you see the slave resolution yes that. exactly you know what i mean yeah and i think i think um but i do i did like it because as another callback i thought that it called back uh, a little bit to the end of season three where there is a resolution there but just this you know that realization when the slaves all come out and they're all chanting for for daenerys i think that that was a similar sort of moment here um it's just that we don't have quite you know we expect that to be like the next sort of moment or subsequent to the battle so um but i liked it as sort of this like epic symbolic gesture that she made i also the catapults out of nowhere they've been (laughs) carting those around i mean i had no idea they have a really long marching line apparently apparently i mean they really and also they've been walking for like two episodes (laughs) <laughs> so there's another thing I, I was like, wow, they only just arrived at Marine. They must have been really taking it slow. Um, but in any case, uh, I'm excited for the next episode, uh, which, Definitely. Is, which is called? Oathkeeper. Oathkeeper. One word. Right. Um, yeah, there's going to be, I guess, an oath. Someone's going to keep it. <laughs> Someone's uh, going to keep it. Wow. Um, that was some deep uh, deep analysis. Yeah, no, I uh, I think that'll be an interesting episode. Um, oaths are clearly a, a big theme on this show with Jamie... Um, being one of the most um, famous oath breakers, so uh, it'll be cool to see how that pans out. Uh, and and pretty much every character who's ever sworn to any other character has has made an oath, uh, and plenty of them have broken those. So I'm curious to see how that uh, how that pans out. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll uh, I'll talk to you next week, and uh, hopefully we we can avoid any major controversy moving forward. Yeah, I would like that very much. <laughs> All right.